Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to help every person in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's the podcast. As uh, Chris said, my name is Casey Olson. I have the privilege of serving as the media and communication director here at Grace City. Uh, they often just call me the press secretary. Um, I, uh, my wife and I, Jess, who is with our older kids this morning, serving, uh, leading them, we moved here uh, about 10 months ago um, to, to be here at this church. Uh, we really felt like God called us to, to come be a part of what God was doing in Eugene through Grace City, and it's been a, a wonderful blessing to be here and uh, to serve with this church. For the past, I don't know, five or six weeks, we've been going through a series called In This House. And In This House is a series that has just been prescribing our new refined mission statement our new values, our new mission, everything that we really believe that God has for this church. It's saying that, you know, there's a lot of ways that, that the church can exist, and there's a lot of ways that the church can exist really well. But this is, is what we believe Grace City is specifically called to do. What we believe we're called to be in the city, uh, both in, in Eugene and Springfield. We're really split between the two, honestly. Um, so that's what this has been, and in this series, we introduced our new mission statement, which says, we exist to help everyone in our sphere of influence encounter Christ, experience biblical community, and extend God's kingdom. And five weeks ago, we had Pastor Seth from our Sending Church in Corvallis that came down and kicked off that, this series for us, and one of the things that he told us is that he said, like, these vision series, these mission statements are all great. They're all really exciting. But there also is this element, when you really think about it, that it means there's work to be done. It means that we're going to be taking some steps as a church body. There's going to be some, some new calls to action that maybe we haven't been focusing on as much over the past few years. And, and we believe that this refined mission statement reflects who we've been called to be in this city and at the heart of everything, not only do we believe there's really like natural reasons why we believe our church is good at these things or things that we need to be striving to be better at, all these different kinds of things, ultimately, as we look at the life of Jesus, these are the types of things that we see him prioritize. These are the, the values and the, the type of life that he lived, the type of things that he focused on as he spent his time on earth. And that sounds fun, right? We get to like try to live and be like Jesus. We get to do incredible things. We get to live with mission and purpose and have all these like bullet points of different types of things that we're trying to pull off in this city. But I think sometimes, for some of us, it's, it's a more obvious thought. For some of us, it's more of a, a subconscious thought. This can be a little daunting to think about, my life is supposed to look like this. Anyone that's been following Jesus for more than five minutes knows it's like it's no cakewalk. This is not an easy thing, and it's it's easy to sit here and and say, "Oh, Pastor, that's great. I love that. That, that was a great point you had. Like, I love the idea of that." But then when we get walking through our everyday these spheres of influence, as we say, all of a sudden we start to find out, "Oh man, this is a little trickier than I thought." 
to really stay focused, to really stay intentionally minded on living these things out. But today, I hope to share with you that, though yes, we have been called to do some incredible things in the city, and it's going to take some work, it's going to take some effort, that the life of Jesus demonstrates to us how to access strength, power, and grace necessary to live this calling. The Gospel of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed account of Jesus' life. It's not like the other Gospels where there's a, like, a lot of long teachings. We just hear him like dialoguing a lot. Um, there's, there's certainly like action in the other ones, but Mark is intense. If you read the book of Mark, like from the get-go, it's just like Jesus going about town to town, healing people, casting out demons, doing all these crazy things at like a rapid pace. And we're going to find ourselves in Mark 1 this morning as we look at a day in the life of Jesus. We're going to start in verse 21. It will be up on the screen. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, uh, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. The unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed. And so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once... Fame spread everywhere throughout all of the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place where he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word that tells the beautiful, powerful story of Jesus Christ's life. God, a life that demonstrates power and intentionality with, with focus and emphasis. God, there was, a, there was a point to his life. He saw the brokenness of the world around him, and God, he sought to heal it. He sought to invite God's power and presence into it. Lord, this morning, would you help our hearts to better understand, God, how, how do we do this? How do we pursue this kind of life with the, the busyness we're subject to, you know, with the, how easy it is for us to just be off on our priorities and our focuses? God, as we look at the life of Jesus, would you bless this time and fill us with courage, with hope, that we can live out this calling, God. Amen. So when we look at that story, talk about a busy day, right? I don't know about you, but when I spend 
my whole day preaching in the temple and uh, trying to like get more disciples, trying to get more people in the movement. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe somebody like pipes up in the middle of it and he's got a demon that you got to cast out of him and all this good stuff. And then you just want to go home at the end of the day. You just want to have dinner. You just want to relax, kick your feet up. Then your homie walks in, and he's like, dude, my mom's really sick. Can you do something? Like, I, I know we've seen you do this. Like, do you mind? And like, sure. And so you go, and you take care of the fever, and, and you sit back down, and you finish dinner, and the next thing you know, a whole town shows up at your front door. I don't know about you. I'm trying to sleep in the next day. Like, I'm, I'm tired. I'm beat. Spiritually, I'm probably just exhausted. But notice what it says that next morning. It says, arising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark tells us of nine more overt moments where God retreated back away from people, away from busyness and problems, all the brokenness around him. Jesus intentionally stepped away to go and pray or to be with his disciples. And and these moments were often like some of the most intense peak moments of actions, like the most brokenness going on around. So many sick people, like even when people are coming after him, trying to, you know, trying to hurt him, trying to knock him off his mission, is these moments that Jesus saw it crucial that he stepped away and he spent time in prayer with his father. And there was something that, that we can observe in the life of Jesus that we see that oftentimes these happened either right after a really incredible, powerful moment, powerful demonstration of what God could do in a situation, or it happened right before. And so Jesus had these rhythms. He had these patterns that somehow he, he snuck away, he received from God, and it empowered him to step back out into what he was called to do. And this morning, I want to encourage us that there are healthy rhythms and patterns that God offers to us to empower us further to walk out our calling as his followers. And as we understand these rhythms, we will see that they're not any means of earning additional salvation or bonus points with God or with other Christians, but they're they're not meant to restrict your life, but they're meant to unlock something in your life. They're meant to empower you Uh, and enable you to encounter God in unique and powerful ways, which empowers each of us to walk out our calling in this city and in our lives. These rhythms or patterns we're going to call as first dubbed by an author named David Mathis, um, but it really fits our context too. We're going to call them habits of grace. And these habits that we really believe enable us for strength, power, and grace are Prayer, scripture, and worship. Now, these three habits are probably not a new concept to you, but understood in the proper meaning. And, and I really believe God has spoken, uh, spoken to me to share some really specific thoughts on this with us this morning, because there are libraries written on each of those. Like, we could, we could do a year-long sermon series on each one of those topics. Today is not going to be comprehensive, but I think God's really spoken a few thoughts on each of these subjects that are going to help us in our context. They're going to help us see the power and the presence of God that each of us can experience as we go through this life. The Christian life is really unique 
because it requires a swiftness, a speed. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot going on. But it also requires an endurance. Like, I, I want to be following Jesus and serving him with everything I can this week. But I also want to be doing it in 10, 20, 30 years. But how do we do this? Because in our world, these things don't run on the same, like, swiftness and endurance don't run together. I think about like a track team. You have your specialists who are your sprinters. They run the 100-meter dash, the 200-meter dash. Even as you get some more advanced, like the 400 and the 800, those are still sprints. They're still running as hard as they can. But if all of a sudden you threw a sprinter into a 1,500-meter race or a 3,000-meter race, or God forbid, any longer than that, all of a sudden they're not going to do very well because they're not trained for that. They're not trained to last for 3,000 meters. They're trained to last for 200 meters. But the beauty of the Christian life is that we have been called to live in an intentional intentional speed and swiftness that is required in our day-to-day lives that are just full of busyness and craziness. But we've also been called to last to run this race well for a long time, honoring God over the entirety of our lives. The beauty of this is as demonstrated by Jesus, there's access to wisdom, knowledge, and power that far extends beyond anything we can naturally come up with on our own. There's power, and by the grace of God, it allows us to live out our calling in swiftness and with endurance. So we're going to start with prayer. If you've read the gospel accounts, you'll see that Jesus prays a lot. Uh, I'll put, uh, I put up a list of just a few situations that Jesus prayed in. I'll let you look at that for a moment. There's a lot. Before performing miracles, after, he gave thanks. He prayed over people. I prayed that his life would be glorified in the dark moments, blessing over children, over his disciples. He even prayed right before he got betrayed. Prayed when he was for his enemies when he was hung on the cross. He played blessing over food. He played blessing over his followers before he left the earth. Jesus covered his life in prayer. Um, if, if it's crazy, like the in reality, the fact that these little accounts that we have in the Bible cover, you know, Jesus's life. Like we see so much prayer for the amount for the short amount of time that's actually covered. And uh, I think, you know, we can look at these sorts of circumstances and we see that, like, oh, I'm, I'm good at praying in some of these kinds of things. Like, and, and I think there's two moments in particular. I think it's really easy to pray when things are going really well. It's really easy to be on the mountaintop and to proclaim God's goodness. Man, you're so faithful. You're so good to me. You've blessed me. And then I think it's pretty easy a lot of the time to pray when you're at your lowest, when you're in the valleys and you need God. And, and man, I'm not going to make this happen if you don't step up and do something here. I'm, I'm helpless. But what I really felt that God put on my heart this morning, something that I think, uh, that I, I know I feel it in my own life, and I think that there's, there's many in this room that probably would, would feel the same way, is there's a level of man, mundane life that we don't take to prayer. There are certain things that maybe subconsciously or maybe very blatantly consciously we have decided, I can handle that. I don't need to bring that to God. And we live our lives with 
this, uh, this positioning that I can handle this relational conflict. I can handle uh, this issue at work. And I'm just, I'm just going to push through. If I just push through, if I just keep going, like some days it's going to get better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to solve itself. And I, and I look back at so many times in my life over these really intense things that subconsciously I just made the decision that I could handle. I didn't need to bring that to God. I didn't need to pray about this. I didn't need to pray about that. And over time, it really starts to weigh on you. I look back on the ways that my attitude was, was ruined in those moments where, where I would just get so burdened and so frustrated at the fact that I was trying to carry this. But it wasn't even something I realized I was doing. But uh, I, as I, I think that uh, as we reflect on this, over time, these subtle moments where we've been fighting for ourselves and trusting our own strength, our own mental capacity, our own leadership, we've been slowly decaying and cracking from the pressures we were meant to take on. So many, so many crazy, like, so many things that it would just be so easy to pray about. So easy to say, God, I'm really struggling with this. Or like, man, that's, that's really messed up. That's really broken. Would you move in this? Would you, would you help me see this in a new light? Would you give me additional power to, to move through this? Would you give me strength and courage? But we don't. We just keep going. We just keep trying to make it through it. But Jesus made these rhythms of prayer priority in his life and taught us to do the same because it is these humble moments of acknowledging God's power and presence that we see him move mightily in our hearts and in our lives. Prayer is a moment where we put it all on the table, everything that we're struggling with, everything that's bothering us, everything that we're hoping for, thankful for, and we humbly proclaim that God is faithful to accomplish his causes. We proclaim in that moment, God, I can't do this. Or, or I'm really struggling with this, but I trust your power. I trust your presence. And God, if, if you intervene in this, anything can happen. So we as followers of Jesus should cover our lives in prayer. And as we humbly submit ourselves to God, trusting him to hear our hearts and move according to his will, we will find courage and hope that we can't find on our own strength. He is your faithful father that cares about you deeply cares about everything you're going through, everything you're thinking through, and the mission he's called you to live on. And these humble moments open our hearts to be blessed and encouraged by him as we walk through our circumstances. The next habit of grace that we see in the life of Jesus is his prioritization of scripture. One of the craziest stories in the Bible to me, honestly, is is like Jesus, and we're not going to put it up there just for the sake of time, but Jesus goes fasting in the wilderness. He's very early in his calling. And the devil himself meets Jesus in the wilderness and begins to tempt him. Jesus has been fasting, probably physically feeling it. He's tired. I don't know if any of you have participated in like a week fast or 40-day fast, those kinds of things. Like, you feel it. You're on edge, and, and it's really like, God, I need you to, to move in here. Um, but it's this, it's this crazy moment where the devil offers Jesus food for his hunger that he's facing while he's fasting. He offers him power and influence, and he offers him possessions 
if he will just simply choose to bow down and worship him. And Jesus replies to each one, all three of his offers, with scripture on why he should not bow down and worship the devil and take what the, what the devil is offering him. And after the devil realizes that Jesus isn't going to cave, he takes off, he leaves. And in this moment, the Bible came alive in such a real-life situation that Jesus found himself in. How many times do we read a chapter in the Bible and we just feel like, is this out of date? Like, what does that even have to do with me? I can't see any clear application points to my life about this. And we just walk away discouraged. But in this moment where Jesus was confronted by sin and rebellion against God, against what God would have for him, it was the scriptures that he was able to use in that moment came alive in his heart to to remind him and to guide him into the right actions. You know, biblical illiteracy is like rampant in our culture, both for Christians and non-Christians. People know the Bible as little as they ever have. And in Christian spheres, I think there's a lot to say about this, but I think a lot of the reason why we really struggle with the Bible is because we've tried to create methods and, and forms of reading the Bible that have really good intentions, that really like, that are trying to prioritize it, trying to show how critical it is for our life, that we're in it, that we know it. But then there's sometimes just little pieces that start to make it be this really like task-oriented process. We start to treat the Bible as a chore. We just gotta check off. And I think for many of us, it's even sometimes the standards of how we feel about our current like status with God. We've, uh, if we've been reading our Bible for, for like a couple of weeks in a row, if your Bible app's got like that 17 next to the, the streak number, if you have a Bible app, you probably know what that means. Uh, you've like been reading your Bible, you probably feel real good about yourself. And if somebody were to ask you, like, man, how are you doing with everything? Like, you know, the, the cliche was like, how's your walk with God? You're probably like, I feel good, man. Like, it's been, it's been real good recently. But if that number is zero or maybe negative, like all of a sudden we feel real bad about that answer. And we sit there and, and there's shame and there's heaviness. It's, it's daunting to say, oh man, it's been a while. You know, God's been feeling a little distant. I, just, I don't know about this whole thing right now. Like it's, it's been really hard, but I, I'm working on it. I want, I want to make it a priority. But what if I told you the Bible didn't exist to make you feel that way? What if I told you that it was a resource for you to learn about God, what God says to you and about you, and what he's been saying and doing for thousands of years? It's not meant to be a chore that you check off to make yourself feel good about like, your relationship with God or just your status as a Christian. You know, the Bible exists to empower us, to give us strength, to give us courage, wisdom when we need it. Just like Jesus in this moment where he's, he's facing temptation, you know, it, it's, it's those moments where it comes alive. When, when we're faced with something that's not truth, and all of a sudden we think, oh, I've read that somewhere. I know what, what I'm supposed, how I'm supposed to respond to this. A few weeks ago, if you were here at church, in the tithing moment, I shared that uh, 
uh, a verse in Malachi about God's faithfulness to, to open the floodgates of heaven, to give blessing to those who are faithful to giving to him. It was great. It's really applicable. I really felt like God put that on my heart for us. But in reality, that verse came out of my own heart with Jesus a few days before that. I've been sitting down looking at my budget. And I was like, we have, a, we have tithe on the top. And I was looking at it, and I was like, man, that number's too big this month. Can't pull that off this month. There's too much going on. And it's really easy in that moment to think, ah, we just come up with some excuse. Give a little less this month. And all of a sudden in that moment, I was reminded of four words from that verse. It says, trust me in this, or test me in this, sorry. And I was like, test me in this. Where's that from? Where have I heard that? I'm pretty sure it's a Bible verse, and I'm pretty sure it's about tithing and giving offerings to God. So I looked it up. I Googled, test me in this Bible verse. Malachi popped up, and I read it, and in that moment, it just came alive to me. Why, why would I doubt God with my finances right now? This is what I've been called to do. And he says, if I'm faithful to do this, he's going to be faithful to me. I can trust him with this. And you probably have other stories that are very similar. Times and, and really tough, struggling moments where all of a sudden it's like that passage just meant something different to you. And I think for each of us, it's sometimes we go through these streaks where maybe we haven't felt like the Bible is alive like that. And so we start to distance ourselves from it. We start to walk away from it. There's a danger in that, though, because God wants to speak to us through our circumstances, through everything that we're walking through. And so the Bible doesn't exist for us to, to check off as like the good Christian mark, but it exists to empower us. As we walk through our life, as we experience these, these, whether it be a moment of doubt, whether it be a moment of a struggle and a circumstance, God wants to meet us in those moments to fill us with his truth, to remind us of his goodness, that we can trust him, and we can find peace through his power. And finally, and we're just going to touch on this briefly because I, I really think Worship is a combination of scripture and prayer in a really beautiful way. The last habit of Grace City, we believe, uh, is worship. We, we practice this a lot. We did it this morning. Um, we do it occasionally throughout, you know, every, like, every quarterly pretty much. Sometimes we miss it. We do it through these worship and engage nights. And worship is beautiful because it's this powerful combination of prayer in scripture. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's like, it's not overt, it's not like direct quotes, but it's that same language. We're taking the truths about God and we're putting them into prayerful language that we sing and we praise out together. And they've been doing this since, since way back when. Like, the, the Israelites used to march and they would just sing songs about God's faithfulness and goodness together. It encouraged them and it empowered them. It reminded them of his goodness and his faithfulness to them. So they, they did it regularly. They made it a priority. Worship is so unique because it so naturally fits in how we even remember things. You know, if, you, if you remember like from school days or whatever, like if there was something really specific you needed to remember how easy it was to like put it to a tune or a beat, and then all of a sudden you could like remember it a lot better. And there's even something beautiful about the literary design of music that all of a sudden like 
it just, it just clicks. This is something like, I mean, each of us, we all have our different tastes in music, but there, there's something musically that just clicks with our, with our inner being that's like, oh yeah, that's right. That sounds nice. That sounds good. And worship is this beautiful moment where whether it be individually or collectively, we get to come together. We get to proclaim the truths of Scripture and we get to do it in prayerful language that's praising God, remembering His goodness. And we get to do it in a really beautiful and elegant way as we all collectively come together and sing praises. It's really, really powerful. So as we leave this place this morning, my prayer is that our hearts would turn from the legalistic approaches that we take towards prayer, scripture, and worship. That we would see the power and presence of God as an accessible thing that each of us can encounter in our personal lives and collectively as a church. It's, a, it's just a powerful, humble way to get to be with our Creator, to get to be reminded of His goodness, His truth, His love for us. And it's what propels us to live with speed, with swiftness, through all the busyness, through all the chaos of each of our lives, and it empowers us to do this for a long time, serving and honoring God. So uh, what does this look like practically for prayer? It might mean starting to try to be more personal in your prayers, be more real. I think many of us, if we really like reflect on our prayer language, I think it's really easy for us to just try to say really nice things, try to utter words that we think sound really nice that God's going to really like. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he prayed over everything he did. There wasn't some formula there, there, are, there are times for specific styles of prayer and stuff like that, but Jesus just prayed. Jesus just trusted his heavenly Father that he could intervene in these moments of brokenness, these moments where, where God's power needed to be there. And for us, I think specifically, it means praying for these mundane things that we've really like just let slip. Praying about our, our work environment, the different struggles that we go through in that. Not just trying to power through it, just trying to power through leading our kids or, or being a good friend to our spouse or to our close friends. Like, not just powering through it, but trusting God. You can do something. Would you meet me and empower me through this? For Scripture, it might mean simplifying your approach to the Bible. I think we've, uh, for a lot of us, we've given up because maybe we've tried like these grand Bible studies, like these crazy devotionals, all this kind of stuff. And those are great. And if, if you get to that point, like those tools are so good for us. There's also just power in being in God's word. Choosing one chapter or two chapters, just slowly reading through it, reflecting on your thoughts, learning about God and learning about what he has for you. And finally, um, making worship a priority in our lives. And that's not to say that you need to go and like wipe your playlists clean of anything that's not worship on your phones or iPods or anything like that. But uh, that there would just be an intentional reach for, for moments of worship. I, I think they pair really well uh, with, with prayer and with time in Scripture. It's a great way to really just reset your heart to get put in the right place. Um, but then it also means prioritizing these moments collectively, whether it be Sunday mornings, whether it be our engaged nights, 
where we come together, we remember God's goodness, we proclaim his faithfulness, despite anything and everything that we're going through, that God is good, that he's faithful, that he wants to reach the city and he wants to use us to do it. That's what worship does for us. As we engage in these habits as individuals and as a church, we humbly submit ourselves to encounter God's power and presence. And in this, that will sustain us for the life we've been called to live. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your power and presence that you make available to each of us. God, we pray that you would be near to us as we come near to you. I thank you that you promise to meet us, that you promise to care. I thank you that you don't just overlook our lives, but God, you want to uplift us, you want to be with us, you want to empower us to, to live and live life to the fullest. To do this, God, for, for now and for many years to come. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. God, will you just be with us as we go from here. In Jesus' name, amen.